Well, good morning Oceanside. What an incredible privilege it is to be able to speak to you this morning. Um, I trust you all well. I trust you keeping well. I trust you guys are healthy and safe. Um, and it is a privilege. It really is. And I trust that sometime in the very near future, we will possibly be able to be there in person, which is obviously far, far better than through a video. But it is what it is. So, um, yeah. So when Mike phoned me to ask me to share something with you guys, I was going to talk on the anointing because it's something that's very, very misunderstood. But we desperately need the anointing in our lives and learning how to facilitate it, how to grow in the anointing, how to allow the anointing to flow is very key because it's only through and by the anointing that we can do and be what God's called us to do and be. But um, as I gave it some thought, in light of just all the circumstances in life and in light of all that's happening, I thought what I'd like to do is just remind us of two significant truths. And these truths are truths, no matter what is happening in the world, no matter even how we feel, no matter what we're going through, it doesn't change the fact of these two incredible truths. And I trust they would encourage you and um, um, just strengthen you and edify you in this time. I'm actually reminded of a scripture in 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 12, which says, So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them, and are firmly established in the truth you now have. So Peter wasn't afraid to remind people of truths they were already aware. And uh, it's always good to bring to remembrance the things, incredible truths that God has spoken to us, revealed to us, and has deposited into our lives. He goes on to say this, I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus has made clear to me. It's interesting in Peter's life that he knew his season had come to an end, that God had revealed it to him. And so I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. And so that's what I want to do, is just talk on these two wonderful, wonderful truths. And so if you have a Bible, please go with me to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live a self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, while we wait for the blessed hope. That's a wonderful scripture, while we hope, wait for the blessed hope, which is the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us, from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. It's incredible scripture. 
It's like the gospel summarized in these few verses here. That the grace of God has appeared. Obviously, it's Jesus Christ. And he teaches us to say no to the things that want to grab hold of us. But not only that, he's done a work on the cross that enables us to live free from those things. To redeem us. He gave himself to redeem us. And not only that, he's pulled us to himself. That we belong to him so that he can work his life in us and through us to a dying world. And so the two truths, each believer is saved by grace. First, to be someone, and that is a child of God. Secondly, we are equally empowered by that same grace to do something. So these two truths are inseparable. You can never overemphasize one or the other. They give us identity and they give us purpose. And no matter what happens, no matter what is going on, never let the truth of who you are in Christ be undermined in any form or any shape. You're a child of God with a purpose. Both are by grace and both are the purpose and the gracious will of God. And nothing can change that. Nothing can change that. So I put it this way, the real purpose of becoming a Christian is not so much to save ourselves from going to hell or to be saved to go to heaven, but it is to become a child of God, born by the Spirit of God. And the Bible says when we are born again, the Spirit in us cries, Abba, Father, Abba, Father. You can read that in Galatians 4 and Romans 8. So born by the Spirit of God. Then learning to develop or cultivate the character of Jesus within us. Because he's put a new nature within us. So that we can display his splendor to the world. And both of those are by the power of the Spirit. None of this can be done by us. It's all through the gracious, gracious work of the Holy Spirit. Put it this way. God sent his Son to us. That's something we receive to be with us, that's cultivating a lifestyle, so he could live through us. That's something that's activated through us. There's no formula to this. There's no method to this. Don't let anybody tell you there's a formula and a method to this. It is purely a relationship, and it comes forth from this relationship. It's helpful to have a continual openness to God, to foster this relationship, and then God will develop certain tools within us reveal certain things to us that will facilitate this. And as we have a continued openness to God and we learn to walk this relationship with God and we learn to exercise the tools that is given us, it causes us to take responsibility and maturing God and developing God so he can reveal who this wonderful God is to a dying world. It's an amazing fact to me that God will come and call people that are bound in sin, that are broken, that are just struggling with things. Redeem them. Not perfect them. They're still busy being perfected. But redeem them for his gracious purpose to reveal himself to a dying world. It's an incredible truth. Jesus modeled this for us when he was on earth. Uh, he modeled this incredible relationship he had with the Father. He was anointed by the Holy Spirit to fulfill the will and the purpose of the Father. 
and also to reveal the Father. He modeled this life for us. And if we understand that all that Jesus did, he didn't do out of his deity. He did as a man. He was fully man, but he was anointed by the Holy Spirit, rightly related to his heavenly Father, who then did work in him and through him. He said this continually. I can do nothing by myself. Everything I do, I only do because I've seen the Father do it. The Father reveals it to me. The Father shows it to me. He said in John 14, It is not I that do this work, but it is rather the Father that lives in me. And so the work you see me doing is the Father who lives in me, who's doing it through me. And so then he turns to the twelve and he says, You will do what I've been doing. Because I'm in the Father and the Father's in me, you will be in me and I will be in you. And because I'm in you and you in me, you will do what I've been doing. Just as I was in the Father and the Father was in me and he worked through me. That is the basis of Christianity. And that's what Jesus came to model for us, incredible truth. And so then in John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, a week before his death and resurrection, and I encourage you to read those chapters, he gives us incredible and vital teaching about the Holy Spirit, because nothing can happen without the Holy Spirit. He's saying, you've seen me, he's saying to the disciples, you've seen me, you've been with me, but I'm going away, and it's good that I go away, because I'm going to send another one, the gift of the Father, the Holy Spirit. You will not see him, but he will be in you and he will reveal himself to you just as I have revealed myself to you. And so you will learn to recognize him. And so often we see the Bible doesn't, in a sense, describe. We see more the finger, the fingerprints of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible uses certain terminology to describe his activity like water and wind and oil. Um, so we can see the activity of the Holy Spirit and begin to learn who He is and begin to allow Him to work in our lives and through our lives. So in John 16, 7, Jesus said, But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the Counselor will not come to you. John fourteen sixteen, He said, And I will ask the Father and He will give you another Counselor. That word another I'm sure you've heard this, is exactly the same as me. Exactly the same as me. Another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. John 15, 26. When the counselor comes, who will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And then I want to read one more scripture concerning this. And it's John 16. And I forgot to write it down. So you just have to bear with me. As I find it's John 16, 12 to 15, which says this, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will only speak what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking what is mine and making it known to you. And all that belongs to the father is mine. That is why I said the Holy Spirit. And so that is why I've said the Spirit will take what is mine and make it known to you. It's an incredible truth which I encourage you to go meditate on and look on. So my question I asked myself many, many years ago, how do I cultivate the activity of the life of the Spirit in me? 
how do I draw his activity? How do I draw his presence? How do I go about as a lifestyle beginning to cultivate something of a lifestyle so that the Holy Spirit can work in me and through me? And this is what I want to share with you. Just some things that I found out in my own life. Two things. Remain full of the Holy Spirit. And then next one is find the leading of the Holy Spirit. So how do I remain full of the Holy Spirit? Number one, walk in forgiveness. Continually walk in forgiveness. Whatever it takes, whether you need to go chat to somebody, talk to somebody, learn to walk in forgiveness. Next thing is learn to cultivate a life of humility. How do you do that? Cultivate praise and worship. Cultivate a lifestyle of honor where you're honoring God and honor other people. And cultivate a lifestyle of gratitude and thanksgiving. That in turn will teach us to cultivate a lifestyle of humility. For the Bible says, humble yourself. That's what it says. So how do I do that? I do that by cultivating a lifestyle of praise and worship. And when I do that, I always acknowledge He's the Lord, not me. So I'm subject to Him in that sense. So I humble myself beneath Him. And when I cultivate a lifestyle of honor, honoring other people, being aware of what they've done, giving the praise and the honor that's due to them, that's cultivating a lifestyle of humility. And then obviously, as I said, cultivating a lifestyle of gratitude, of thanksgiving. Very key. Thanksgiving opens up the doors of our hearts. Thanksgiving opens up something inside us to allow the Spirit of God. When we're thankful, no matter what is happening in life, whatever we're going through, whatever we're struggling with, I encourage you, write down what you're grateful for. Your family, you've got a roof over your head, food on your, whatever it may be. Learn to cultivate a lifestyle of gratitude. It draws the Spirit of God into your life. Next thing, keep short accounts. I encourage you, keep short accounts. Very short accounts. Short accounts with God and short accounts with people. Don't let things fester in your life. Don't. The Bible actually says, don't go down. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Because we know that when you get angry, all this emotion comes to the fore then we don't deal with it, but we go to bed and we wake up in the morning, we don't feel that emotion anymore, but the stuff is undealt with. It's still there, and it doesn't take much to press a button for that all to come out. So keep short accounts. Remain, abide in the Word. In other words, remain in the Word as best as you know how. As best, whatever's going to facilitate that, help you with it, get into the Word whenever you can. Some people are good at night. Some people are good in the morning. Whatever, don't um, be boxed by what other people do. Find your own way of remaining and abiding in the Word. I've said this before. Somehow we've got to get this yum, 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 yum inside of us. Because when everything happens, this is what we stand on. This is what we learn that's solid in us. This is what anchors us. And we don't get pushed around in. This is what we build our life upon. So remain and abide in the Word. Next thing, persist in prayer. Find, persist in prayer, whatever that means to you, however that you facilitate that. Um, just persist in prayer. You can do that anywhere, anytime. You can do that while driving your car. Just 
It's a relationship with the Lord. You just talk into him, persist in prayer, encourage you to persist in prayer. Next thing, embrace and cultivate fellowship. In other words, embrace fellowship, cultivate fellowship. Even though everything in the world wants to isolate us, I encourage you, don't be isolated. Pick up the phone, phone somebody, chat to somebody, meet one or two people if you can. Connect with whoever you can in twos or threes or whatever. Cultivate and embrace fellowship. It's very key that we do that. We need one another. And uh, we know that when we encourage one another, it's incredible how you can go to a coffee shop and have coffee and you can talk about things. And then you start talking about something about the Lord. And all of a sudden you become aware of His presence. Because something when you speak about Him, when you testify about Him, it attracts the presence of God. That's what I'm saying. That's why we need to embrace and cultivate fellowship. Next thing, be aggressive towards the enemy. Don't flirt with the devil. I encourage you. Don't flirt with the devil. He's a master deceiver. Be aggressive towards him. Be very aggressive towards him. Don't walk on the edge of the cliff. Walk against a mountain. I encourage you. Just some more things. Cultivate a bridal tongue. Go read James 3. It just says, this little thing here, what the power it has to do. And I encourage you, cultivate a bridal tongue. The words you speak will set the tone in your atmosphere in your house and the atmosphere in your heart, the atmosphere in your life. So I encourage you, cultivate a bridal tongue. That you need to develop that so that we be aware of what we say and who we say it to. And the opposite of that is cultivate a faith tongue. Speak the promises of God. Declare who He is. Speak what is real in your life. Speak the, the truth is revealed to you. Just keep speaking it. Cultivate a faith tongue. I encourage you to do that. So all that will come under. Stand full of the Holy Spirit. That's what will happen as we cultivate those things within our lives. And it takes a season, I understand. The next thing is follow the life of God. Whatever brings life to you. Whatever you do and you find life, follow the life of God. However that comes to you. Some people it's through praise and worship. Some people it's through reading the word where that really gives them life. Other people are very energized by other people or whatever the case is. Wherever you can find life, follow that life. Because we need that life to continually come in us. One of the ways to allow life to come into you Make sure you're spending time with Him because if we give out more than we allow Him to put in us, it begins to, our upkeep, I can't remember the saying, but slowly we just go drier and drier and drier. I would encourage you, spend as much time as you may, cultivate those times with Him. That's how you begin to follow the life of God. Develop an ear to hear His voice. Develop an ear, and there's a lot. I know a lot of these are just, we can teach a lot into each one of them. We just don't have time for that. And then the last one is find the ways of God. How does God work in you? How does God work through you? Find those ways. Um, only you can find them. Uh, other people, can. you can speak to other people. They can recognize that in you, and maybe you can chat to them. It'll help you. And then learn to develop those ways that God works in you and through you. He works in us and through us in different ways. That's why I can't copy my neighbor. Um, I need to find it in myself. And that way, 
And I just found as I begin to cultivate these things in my life, it attracted the presence of God. It really did. It kept me close with the Lord. Um, just developed a lifestyle of intimacy because we need the Holy Spirit in all that we're going to do and all that God's going to do in us and through us. It is only by the activity of the Holy Spirit. So I trust this encourages you. I trust this uh, strengthens you. Stay strong. We love you guys. Michelle says hello, by the way. She sends the regards. And uh, as I said, hopefully one day we'll be there in person. So bless you all. And I uh, will hand back over to Mike. Go well. Thank you for the privilege of sharing with you this morning. Amen. Thank you, Ken. What an amazing message. Speaking of our identity, our authority, and our purpose in Christ. That we are all called, that we are co-heirs with Christ, seated in Him with authority to go and make disciples of all nations. That God has called us for a purpose, church. He's created us in Christ for such a time as this. And I pray that each one of us will keep our eyes fixed on the prize, on Jesus Christ, understanding that even in these times, God is at work. People are hearing and listening, and He has their attention. And may we be the ones that share the love of God in word and deed to wherever we go. We're going to end this amazing service with more worship.